And I lift up us as a church family that you continue to knit us to each other, that we may be built up as a holy body that represents you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Still don't have Prizzy up, but we're going to get started anyway. If you don't mind, can you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 1? Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. I'm reading from the ESV translation, so please follow along in your Bible. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. For several Months now, uh, we have been slowly making our way through Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1, Luke wrote about three specific people. That is Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. Luke provided excellent details about these three people by telling us their stories. That is to say, there is a common theme, a common denominator, which is God fulfilling his promises through the lives of ordinary people. God fulfilled his promise through the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you recall, Zechariah and Elizabeth was blessed to conceive a child in their old age. I'm sure they probably were around the age of 70 or early 80s. From For them to conceive a child, it had to take or be a divine intervention. That is God stepping down, in a sense, and intervening in the lives of his people. The, the child that they conceived was John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, 
who prepared the way for the coming Messiah. God also promised to send his only begotten son. And he fulfilled this promise through a young girl by the name of Mary. God promised to send the Messiah, the Redeemer of mankind, Jesus Christ. And he chose the Virgin Mary to be the channel by which this promise was to be fulfilled. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Gus preached a sermon on Mother's Day. And the title of his sermon was Honoring Mothers Everywhere. Now, today's scriptural passage speaks of two mothers, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary is honored not because she is the mother of Jesus. Elizabeth is honored not because she is the mother of John the Baptist. Although they were two, uh, they were mothers of two remarkable men, they are honored for their obedience and faithfulness to God. They're honored for their obedience and faithfulness to God. Please notice just the writing structure in Luke chapter 1. Take a glance at it for a second. According to Luke 1, verses 5 through 25, Luke writes about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. According to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, Luke writes about the miraculous conception of the virgin birth. That is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. These two stories were separated until now. Until now, Luke was paralleling these stories. You can actually take what happened in Mary's life and compare it to Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives. As you can see in our text, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, Luke finally intertwine the stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary. For this reason, here is the reason. So here is the point of this message. Here is the point of this passage. And here is why I believe Luke intertwined their stories. It is for Mary to receive confirmation from Elizabeth. To receive confirmation from Elizabeth. If you recall, we have learned that Mary had a visitation from the angel Gabriel. And he told her of what occurred in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is why I titled today's message, Mary's Confirmation and Elizabeth's Proclamation. Mary's Confirmation and Elizabeth's 
proclamation. Therefore, there are only three points that I'm going to make today. The first point that we're going to discuss is Mary receiving confirmation from the uh, from Elizabeth. Number two, Elizabeth proclaiming the truth of the long-awaited Messiah. And number three, we're going to see the faithfulness and obedience of these two women. The faithfulness and obedience of these two women. Let's talk about Mary's visitation. If you recall, approximately a month later, the angel visited Mary, and she rose with great anticipation, traveling to Elizabeth's home, who lived in Judah. As the text says, you can look at it for yourself. Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Ask yourself, why? Why was Mary such in a hurry to visit her relative? What was the purpose of her wanting to see her relative? What does this all mean? Well, as you can see in verse 39, that Mary traveled to, from Nazareth to Judah. Let's pause there for a minute second. I want to ask you, how far are you willing to travel to receive confirmation for what the Lord is doing in your life? How far are you willing to travel to receive confirmation for what the Lord is doing in your life? The distance between these two cities, Nazareth and Judah, was approximately 130 miles. It would have taken at least three to four days for her to travel on foot, or maybe a little bit more. It wasn't as if you can travel within a day like we have like we can with cars or airplanes and boats. That was a sense of expediency for Mary. The reason Mary left her village in Nazareth with haste and hardness is because she received a sign from the angel. That she received a sign from the angel. What was the sign? It was Zechariah and Elizabeth conceiving. That was the sign that she received from the angel. According to verse 36, the angel Gabriel told Mary 
that her relative, Elizabeth, conceived a son, and she was six months pregnant. That was a sign. I am sure this had to be staggering news for Mary to hear. Uh, Mary, uh, Mary's relative, Elizabeth, biologically speaking, was unable to conceive due to her old age, as well as Zechariah. You know, I recently talked to my mother, and she told me that my grandmother is going to be turning 88 Tuesday, 88 years old on Tuesday. Now, if I ever hear that my grandmother is pregnant, that would be some shocking news. I would believe that someone is planning a joke on me, which will cause me to go catch a flight down to Georgia so I can see for myself. Likewise, I believe that Mary thought it was unfathomable, thought it unimaginable that her relative, who was in her old age, conceived a child. I believe Mary felt the same way. Beloved, the truth of the matter is Mary believed the angel Gabriel's words that Elizabeth conceived a child in her old age. But she also wanted to see with her own eyes that her relative Elizabeth was truly pregnant. She did not doubt the angel's words. The very thing that she said to the angel in response of receiving the sign Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There was no doubt in that. You know, what is the meaning of signs and wonders? Have you ever thought about that? We hear the phrase, that phrase often in scripture. Signs and wonders. For example, our Lord God performed many signs. When Israel was enslaved by the Egyptians, the Lord performed many signs to free them by sending plagues. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 6 says, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a might, mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. In Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, Mark records how the apostles preach everywhere as the Lord worked with them by confirming their message with signs. So what are signs? Biblically speaking, 
signs are spiritual miracles and supernatural confirmations. And the fact that Elizabeth was pregnant was a supernatural confirmation that Mary was seeking. What I find interesting is that Mary didn't ask for a sign. She was not like Zechariah, who doubted the angel's words by asking or by saying, what shall I know this or how shall I know this? That's what Zechariah said after the angel confirmed to him that he and his wife will receive a child. Zechariah said, how shall I know this? In other words, Zechariah said, give me a sign so that I may believe your words. You know, a sign that Zechariah received, right? The sign that Zechariah received was, for his unbelief, was deafness and muteness. And as I was just recapping or rethinking about this passage, I find it very ironic that Zechariah asked for a sign. The angel gave him a sign as a, in the sense of a punishment. Then Zechariah physically started making signs because of that punishment. He couldn't talk or speak. That's what the scripture says. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 22. You read along with me. It says, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he has seen a vision in the temple. And here it is. He kept making signs to them and remained mute. The very sign that Zechariah asked for, Mary received, although she didn't ask. She received because she did not doubt. She didn't doubt the angel's words. She did not question the angel, angel's words. Again, she said to the angel, let it be according to your words. The angel Gabriel wanted to assure her, wanted to assure Mary's faith by giving her a sign. Listen, that is to say, if it is true that Elizabeth was pregnant, then it must be true that Mary will conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it must be true that Mary will be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. This is staggering news for Mary. So to assure her that what would take place in her life, he gave her a sign. Yes, Mary, you will be 
the mother of the Son of God, without any human assistance, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. This is the 13-year-old, not 13, but probably 15-year-old girl receiving news that she will bear a child. So I can only imagine if I was in Mary's place, I too would like to receive a sign. Look at verse 40. Verse 40, it says that Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So she traveled 130, at least 130 miles away from her hometown to Judah. I only can pres- uh, presume that she was traveling uh, with somebody because it was um, not the custom of Jew- Jewish people for a young girl to be traveling alone like it is. Well, I retract that a little bit. Uh, I was going to say like it is today, but <laughs> there's a lot of young girls traveling alone. But the point is, in Jewish custom, it was improper for married females to travel alone. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. They were legally married. So for her to to disregard the customs or disregard traditions, it shows that it was very it shows to us that it was very important to her that she was seeking the confirmation that she needed. You know, I think we all do this, especially if you're married. You don't call somebody else house. Um, if you're a husband and you call the house and you ask for the husband, or if you're a wife, you call somebody else a married man's home and you ask for the wife, right? We all do that. But notice how the text says that she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted, not Zechariah, but Elizabeth. Why? Where was Zechariah? I'm sure Zechariah was there in the house. But I believe that Mary did not greet Zechariah because of the punishment he was facing. The punishment that he was enduring. You know, we don't see Zechariah speaking until you get to Luke chapter 1, verse 67. That is the only time that Zechariah was able to open his Mouth, because he came to full belief that what was going to take place in his life and then also in his wife's life, he was allowed 
to speak. Furthermore, the ideal of Mary greeting Elizabeth is so different than how we greet each other. The idea of how Mary greeted, or even Jewish customs, or Jewish people greet each other in the near ancient Near Eastern countries, it's, it's different how we greet each other. In our culture, we ask people how they're doing, and, we, and I believe, because I do it myself, I believe we do this for the sake of being nice. Uh, we don't really want to hear how other people are doing because it costs us time and energy to really listen to what they're saying to us. The point is this. When Mary greeted Elizabeth, it was significant. They communion with each other. They talk with each other. There wasn't any Facebook. (laughs) They did not tweet or text to each other. It was significant because what was taking place in Mary's life was also taking place, something similar taking place in Elizabeth's life. We can imagine what they were saying to each other. I can only imagine that Elizabeth was saying, yes, I have conceived. And also, my husband is no longer nagging at me because he's deaf and he is mute. Praise God. And as Mary listening to her relatives, Just seeing Elizabeth and understanding her condition as an old woman, past child-bearing capacity, married to an old man in the same predicament would be the reality of the fact that God had done a miracle in their lives. That's what I think they was talking about. Let's talk about Elizabeth's proclamation. Elizabeth's proclamation. It says, After Mary greeted, entering and greeted Elizabeth, the voice of Mary's greeting caused Elizabeth's baby to leap. Caused Elizabeth baby to leap. The yet unborn John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, leaping for joy because he recognized not Mary, but the presence of his Lord, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the awaited Messiah. You know, if we just take the take this as face value, we know that this is not unusual for babies to leap inside their mother's womb. They move all the time. 
kicking and and moving their arms. So in that sense, it is it's very usual. It's, it's, it's very common. But what I believe is Luke is stressing the importance of how John the Baptist was proclaiming, was silently speaking about his Lord while he was in his mother's womb. And so what we should consider here is that it is John in his mother's womb leaping for joy, hearing the sound of, of Mary's voice. You know, but what I don't find surprising about this, and what shouldn't be surprising about this, is what prompted John to leap in the first place. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 15, the angel said to that to Zechariah, the angel said to Zechariah, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. John being filled with the Holy Spirit was a confirmation of his salvation before he was even born. In order for the Holy Spirit to dwell in someone, according to Ephesians chapter 1, which is the Holy Spirit being the seal of someone's salvation, But more importantly, John was filled with the Holy Spirit to be the forerunner of Christ so that he can prepare the way of the Lord. Why is this important? Because when John heard Mary's voice, the Holy Spirit prompted John, indicating that Yes, you are the forerunner, but here is the person that you're pointing to. I know if uh, I don't know if how many of y'all have seen some of the Super Bowls uh, commercials, especially the Doritos. You see the little baby dancing in the womb as he receive a Dorito chip. You know if they had ultrasounds uh, back in John's day, I wonder what he would have said. I wonder what he would have said in his mother's womb. But I don't need to search or think about that too much because in John chapter 1 verse 29, John said this of himself, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, this illustrates to us that Mary was already pregnant with Jesus. 
The text does not say when the power of the Holy Spirit moved upon her and planted the Son of God in her womb. But what we do know that she was pregnant because of John the Baptist leaping for joy in his mother's womb. John was a little fetus. And by the way, if you ever hear someone say fetus, that's the Latin word that means child. John was a little fetus rejoicing in the presence of his Lord. Therefore, the very confirmation that Mary was seeking from Elizabeth, she received from Elizabeth Chow, John the Baptist. The second proclamation came from Elizabeth. Take notice of what Luke says in the text. He says, In verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. When the child and Elizabeth Womb jumped for joy. That was the physical confirmation for for Mary. But now the Holy Spirit was acting in the life of Mary. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. By Elizabeth giving Mary a verbal confirmation that Mary needed. When I was thinking about this, I tickled myself because I started thinking about my marriage. I was saying to myself that the Lord gave Elizabeth the exact words to communicate to Mary, to confirm to Mary what was uh, going to happen. And I said to myself, I wonder how often am I not prompted by the Holy Spirit to say the correct things? Or how often that my wife is not prompted by the Holy Spirit to say the correct things to me. Have you ever thought about that? What if we all were prompted by the Holy Spirit every single second, an hour? All of us will have a joyous time with each other. You won't say anything bad to your spouse or your co-workers or your friends. This is exactly what happened to Elizabeth. When Elizabeth opened her mouth, the Holy Spirit prompted her to communicate to Mary what Mary needed to hear. I recall... Now, the time when I was confirmed here as the assistant pastor, and I received the exact same confirmations. One, I received a physical confirmation. And two, I received a verbal confirmation. The physical confirmation came from Pastor Gus and Mrs. Brown. 
And the verbal confirmation came from the elders. And I recall one phone call that I received after the church flew me and Crystal back home to Georgia. Pastor Gus gave me a call and he said, okay, everything is settled. Get ready for some snow. And that was it. And I got off the phone and I told my wife, we're moving to Ohio. You know, at the time I knew I was blessed. And so was Mary. The reason I use the word blessed in particular because you see it in our texts. Look at what Elizabeth said. She used the word blessed three times. And in fact, Mary used the word blessed of her of herself in verse 48. Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In verse 45, Elizabeth said, Blessed is she who believe. Why was Mary blessed? You know, I first thought this was a comparison to the Beatitudes, according to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek and humble. But although you can liken this, these blessings to the Beatitudes, the words in Greek are different. Elizabeth is praising Mary. The word blessed in the Beatitudes means happy. So it literally says happy are those or happy are those who thirst. The word here means bless, praise. And I thought about why Elizabeth would use these words. Why would she say bless is, uh, is, is the fruit of your womb? The reason why I believe that she used the word bless is because of her obedience and faithfulness in the Lord. She wasn't jealous of what was happening in Mary's life. She was happy. She was extolling and uh, honoring Mary. Because she too was part of the blessing. But since Mary was the channel by which God used to bring his son forth, she honored Mary more. And this is why she said what she said in verse 43. Why is this granted? Why is, the, why is this an honor to me that the mother of my Lord 
should come to me. That the mother of my Lord should come to me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit prompting Elizabeth to use the exact words and to identify that Christ was present. Because if you compare Elizabeth and Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, John the Baptist did not recognize who was the Lord until he baptized Jesus. And that is when God the Holy Spirit came upon the Lord in the form of a dove. But here, Elizabeth succinctly recognized that the Lord was inside of Mary's womb. And as she said in verses 44 and 45, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her of the Lord. If you haven't paid attention so far, if you haven't grasped this passage, understand verse 45. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Because the premise or the of what of what lies in this text is based on verse forty five. The reason I say that is this Mary was seeking confirmation. She received it. She received it in two forms. One physical confirmation by John the Baptist leaping inside of his mother's womb into Elizabeth's proclamation. But beside that, verse 45 points to the importance of not only Mary believing in the Lord's words, but it shows to us that despite if we receive confirmation in our lives or not, we should always believe in the Lord's words. There shouldn't be any doubt of what the Lord has said, not only in his word, but what he said to us personally. Confirmation or not. Because if the angel would have never said anything about Mary's cousin or relative, Elizabeth, I still believe that Mary would have never doubted the angel's words. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are because you are faithful. 
we can depend on you knowing that what you said in your word will come to pass. So I pray that you will help us in our time of weakness when we doubt what you said, when we doubt your word, and when we disregard that the fact that you're working in our lives. I pray that as, as Scripture says, um, I, for those who, who doubt in you, as well as sometimes I do, I pray that this will be our hearts. That, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Strengthen our faith as you have done, Mary. Thank you for the assurance that you have given us in your son. So, Lord, I pray that as we continue to go forth, that we will put our trust in you. And as the ushers are coming up, I pray over the offering. I pray that you will bless the offering, whatever we give or don't give. I pray that as we continue to seek your face, you will bless us of, of what we're doing here at Akron Alliance Fellowship. So bless the offering, Lord, and bless your people. Amen.